0: What's up, everyone? From the Fresh Delivery Show, I am the Shaolin, Fantastic, and we also have the Grand Bubu who's having technical difficulties right now. Uh, can we get someone to help him with his internet and donate some money for a faster service? <laughs> so I am here with Kai. Hi, Kai. Can you hear us? Hi. Is there a delay? How are you? Good, good. She's a singer, songwriter, producer who makes outspoken, defiant auto autobiographical, I can't even pronounce that word properly, autobiographical pop music, referencing (laughs) mental health issues, toxic relationships, and her experience as a young woman in the modern world. Her debut EP, Tease, is the first of four EPs that will chronicle the rise and fall of deeply flawed romance. She's hailing from Manchester, England. Kai, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: How are you? Hi, Kai. Hi. (laughs) So this for the listeners out there so you know this is actually round two for us and now we're going with a different approach and you know so it's it's gonna be a little bit different format so uh real quick tell us about your deeply flawed romance
1: oh um which one god um there's been a (laughs) lot (laughs) unfortunately um yeah so that the way that the EP and all the songs that have come after have been written is kind of as if it's about the same person, but it's actually not. There's like quite a few like toxic boys in there, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, there's, um, yeah, I think when I say like deep before romance, I'm talking about like toxic relationships, like gaslighting, like the way it intersects with like mental health issues and like how people can be like codependent or, you know, not very supportive of each other. And then yeah, I don't actually really talk about cheating in like the first two EPs, but then on number three, that kind of will come in. So just anything you can kind of think of that would make a relationship a non-healthy one has probably been mentioned in one of my songs. (laughs) So yeah, I think that's how I'd describe it.
0: So if you're listening to us right now in that background is her music directly from her uh, EP. So definitely check it out on www.iamkai.com. So how would you describe, uh, the music that you typically create? Like, like you said, because, you know, obviously it goes through different experiences and your feelings kind of go into it. Is it geared towards more the pop genre or if it's kind of like a new era pop or is it just whatever you're feeling at the moment?
1: Um, I'd say that what I do is kind of dark pop, um, kind of similar to like Halsey, um, Billie Eilish, Banks. But then maybe with a little bit of that kind of like very poppy like songwriting style of like Fletcher or something like that. So it's kind of that new like left field pop kind of thing. Like it's not like super commercial. It's not like aimed at the same people that listen to like Dua Lipa necessarily. It's a bit more conscious. Um, so I would say that it's kind of, yeah, like dark pop. Um, it's like heavier than the lyrics of normal pop but still set to like an upbeat kind of like you should be able to dance to it whilst also having like revelations about, you know, the boys you're involved with or whatever. So (laughs) I think that's kind of, yeah, the way I would say.
0: So, you know, I've been kind of researching your music over the last two weeks and just kind of listening to it. And it definitely has that cool vibe, loungy feel, which is really good. But also at the same time, the lyrics are very strong. That makes you really kind of think about like the mental, mental health awareness and, uh, just kind of like really feeling what you went through that situation. And it almost feels like it's like a sense of light in a way, kind of like the, yeah. towards the end of the song kind of like, this is what I'm going through, but this is the end of the tunnel. You could still make it. That's kind of like how it feels. And then obviously music changes everything. Music actually enhances that feeling, which is really cool. Um,
1: yeah. Cause I think for me as well, like a lot of the time when I'm writing, I'm writing it like once a situation has passed, like it's not necessarily whilst I'm still in it. So I think it is like a defiant thing to be writing about something you've gone through and you've kind of survived. Like it feels empowering. And I think that's kind of what I want to pass on to the listener. Like I'm definitely writing for girls who need that person to listen to that makes them feel better.
0: So you're, you're hailing from Manchester, right? So obviously we're in a yeah. situation of pandemic and, and COVID right now. <clears throat> How is it over there? Like what's what's, tell us about... How's it- oh,
1: um, so actually, yesterday was the first day that like pubs, restaurants, hair salons, and everything opened. Right. So, yesterday was like the first day that I was able to kind of go into the real world because my new hobbies have become like drinking cider in the park with my friends and like drinking on the canal and walking a lot. So, like, it was kind of weird to go back to an establishment, but um, yeah, no, it was it's. I think it's starting to calm down but then obviously there's a lot of fear of like a second wave and that kind of thing so I think it's just a really fluid situation like I would say at the moment it doesn't feel scary or anything like that but you never know what's going to happen next I think the main thing people are anxious about now is when we'll be able to travel Mm. and where we'll be able to travel to so yeah I think that's kind of what's on my mind anyway
0: uh are they are they like really strict out there with like the mask because like here in the united states um where we live at it's in the dc maryland virginia area and they want everyone to wear a mask like anywhere you go in a store you can wear it they did just open up restaurants and allow people to eat so you could take it off let's say for example there's like a table let's say we're all eating together right now where there's a table of three and yeah. there'll be another table six feet or more away from us and you know, the waiter and waitress, obviously they're wearing their masks and we can, we would leave our mask on, but when we're ready to eat, we would actually pull it off. Are they very strict like that over there right now?
1: Uh, no. So when we went to the restaurant yesterday, I think some of the things that they have, it's like, if you need to go to the toilet, there's like a one way system. You have to go like in one direction and then all the tables are spaced out. If they bring your food or your drinks, they bring it on a tray and they touch the tray, but not the plates and stuff. So then you just put stuff back on the tray afterwards and then give it back to them like that. So it's just stuff like that. Like the only place in the UK where masks are mandatory is on public transport mm. and everywhere else it's just optional. So, um, yeah, if you're on the train or on the bus or even like I wore mine in my Uber yesterday, yeah. like any, anything like that, you would wear a mask, but then in the restaurants and in the bars, you don't have to. you're just supposed to keep your distance.
0: I feel like it's – real quick, sorry. I feel like it's kind of like almost like a, a reset also for <laughs> restaurants workers because like yeah. ha, have you ever been to a restaurant where the waiter or waitress is serving their food and like their thumb is on your plate? Oh, it drives <laughs> me crazy. I'm oh. just like, bro, what are you doing? Get your finger out of my food, you know? Like it's kind of it's – Yeah, kinda, I think – Yeah.
1: Well, it was funny though. Yesterday, like our waitress was saying like how weird it was perks obviously like waitresses and stuff – like, their tips come from, like, how nice they are to you and, like, how much you kind of get along with them and the rapport, and um, she was basically saying, like, she's forgotten how to talk to people, Mm -hmm. and, like, I think we kind of all have, and it was just, like, really funny, like, I think we were, like, one of our first tables of the night as well, and she was, like, proper awkward but um, I I think it was just a very bizarre experience because, for me, like, I thought I'd be really excited and, like, really enjoy being back out in the world and I actually kind of it made me more sad in some ways because it really just made me realize how long it's going to be until I'll be able to gig and any of the things that I actually like really, really care about will be coming back because I do think that it's going to be like a long while before like crowds and stuff are going to be legit. So we'll see. Well,
2: hey Kai, it's Graham Booba here. Uh, Hello. So, <laughs> so it's a two-part question. Uh, the first part is um, going back on music really quick. Do you have anyone that you aspire to work with? And then my second part to the question is, given what we just talked about just now, um, do you think that Europeans are going to actually allow us, Americans, to you know come visit Europe at some point? You know, if we were to have the coronavirus under control.
1: Okay. Okay. So they're two very different questions. Which ones? Which yeah. one do you want us to do first? Uh,
2: just answer the first one.
1: Okay. The music one. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. I would love to work with Phineas, you know, Billy Eilish's brother, the producer. Like, I think Mm. that would be, like, so fun. I like a lot of what he produces for, like, Ash and, like, other people like that. Um, I'd love to work with Fletcher and do, like, a girl power kind of, like, anthem. Or maybe, like, with Halsey.
2: Mm. And then
1: I would love to do kind of, you know, like, a dancier track with like a big producer. I'm trying to think like who would be a really good one for me to work with. Um, maybe like Jack Jones or someone like that. I think that would be really fun. And like, you know, get a bit of a, like a club banger going on. So yeah, I think, I've, I have said a few there, sorry, I've cheated, but- um... No,
2: you're fine. Would you also, would you ever work with a rapper? Like, would you ever work with Stormzy, maybe Skepta? So-
1: I do love Stormzy. I love Skepta as well. Um, I have this thing about rap and pop mixing. I don't think it's always very good. So I think I I love hip hop as an individual genre. I love rap. I love grime, like stuff like that. But then sometimes I feel like people just bring on a rapper for a verse on a pop song to just make it cool. And a lot of the time I feel like it's a bit kind of contrived. So if I was going to work with a rapper, I'd want it to be a bit more like collaborative like maybe like do you know remember the song holy grail with Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z and how mm-hmm. it was like really long yeah. and they both had like quite a significant part in it i think yeah. it'd be really cool to do something like that but not just like kind of like get two chains on a verse for the sake of it like i wouldn't okay. you know oh. like i would want it to be a bit more um of a collaborative kind of thing rather than someone just kind of giving me some extra like cool po- points i think if mm-hmm. you got I me mean. Because I do you think people use rappers just to make them a bit more, like, trendy, if you get what yes. I Mean, because obviously hip-hop's such a massive genre nowadays.
0: Yeah, also with that, I, I agree with you 100%, because you can tell with some of these songs, it's just kind of like, hey, I'm going to send you this track, go ahead, rap on it, and then just send it back, and then that's it. The collaborative process, you can tell there's a lot more thought process into the music, because it, it has to blend with both styles of of artists and you know and i, I agree 100 and that was like actually like the really good example
2: mm-hmm. so oh, i also forgot to mention gigs he's also good too
1: oh yeah gigs gigs is like yeah. such a character as well like he's mm-hmm. so funny so but, yeah and also like imagine i'm like imagining a song if me and gigs made a song like because his mm-hmm. voice like the tone of his voice is so low isn't it yeah like, it so funny, is. Funny it would sound like like harmonies or whatever with gigs
2: it would actually be cool like i would actually enjoy that track if you ever worked with gigs
1: yeah are, you, saying, are you quite do you like a lot of english rap then like,
2: like i do like, like uh, I, especially skepta skepta is like one of my favorite raptor rappers like yeah, he he's just like, like a certain flow that it, i really enjoy so
1: it was funny because when i was traveling i played um some english raps so like some americans that i met Mm-hmm. And it was so I was playing them, particularly Stormzy and Skepta because obviously they're like very, very big. Yeah, and um, that like I've he could like couldn't get into the grime ones, like the ones that were more kind of like so you know, Big to Your Boots by Stormzy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I played him that and he just couldn't get his head around that. Like, he was like, This would not be big in America, like, this is so fast. And then I played him like Vossybot and he was way more into like Vossybot because it was like more kind of chilled, like, the BPM's yeah. a lot slower, like, mm. but um, it is funny considering how different, like, grime is to, like, American hip-hop, like, it is, and obviously, like, American hip-hop, there's a lot of, like, sub-genres as well, but grime is, like, such a fast, fast genre. It's, like, very aggressive, very, like, intense. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I actually love it, but I can see why people maybe wouldn't get it if they hadn't, kind of, like, grown up dancing to that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. So... Speaking of venues and, and performing, where? Are, oh, where?
1: sorry, I haven't I haven't actually answered the second question. Yeah. Oh, okay,
0: yeah. So the
2: second question has to do with uh, the EU. I just recently found out that the EU may not allow us to, you know, come visit Europe. So yeah. I'm to hear your thoughts on that.
1: So obviously, um, like you know about Brexit and that we're not uh-huh. technically in the EU, but we kind of get some like advantages still so we're technically not part of the eu but we're claimed as a safe country by the eu just because of our proximity um i kind of i kind of don't agree with this whole like shutting borders because of corona thing like personally myself like i'm supposed to be going to portugal um in like three weeks and the uk have said that portugal's not on the safe list even though we have more coronavirus than they do Mm -hmm. So, which is, you know, like, any intelligent individual can see that that's a bit ridiculous, but our our government can't, apparently. So, things like that, like, really irk me, and I'm very much, like, a bit of, like, a libertarian in, like, the sense that I don't really like people's freedom of movement to be quashed and, like, stuff like that, so I... I get why people, I get why the policies are coming into place, but I'm not sure I necessarily like, agree with them on like a fundamental, like moral, like stance, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Europe will do, to be honest. I think, I think America are handling it. When I say America, I think certain people in America are handling it quite badly. <laughs> but then I also can understand both sides of it like I do understand that the economy is incredibly important and you can't just lock down forever but I do think like I, do, I just think Donald Trump's attitude is very bizarre sometimes like when he's <laughs> <trying> to, like <laughs> inject bleach and me and my brother were just like what but then at the same time we were like if anyone is like stupid enough to believe that then like surely that's like a little bit on you like it's it's just really difficult isn't it with something it's a worldwide pandemic but it's not really going to kill young people so then how do you get young people to stay indoors and like i i think yes the borders will be open to americans but not until everything calms down i think as well with there's a lot of you know protests and stuff and i think that probably makes european like governments uneasy in terms of like obviously big crowds are bad for transmission and stuff so i don't I obviously i I'm not a politician myself, so I can't get inside their heads. But I would think that, like, come, like, September, surely everyone will be able to travel a bit more. Like, fingers crossed, anyway. Like, I'm big fingers crossed right here because I'm a big traveler. So I'm hoping that, yes, Americans will be able to come over and we'll be able to go there and come back without quarantining and stuff. If that answers your question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does. Thank you. To kind of piggyback on that, uh, where have you performed? Have you performed in the United States?
1: so not like properly so i went to well i didn't go because it got cancelled i was supposed to go south by southwest this mm. i still went to austin because my one of my best friends who's in america is there and last year i went to visit him in houston and he's moved to austin and i was already going south by southwest so it was perfect i just went and then obviously it got cancelled and he was like still come anyway we'll have a good time there's still going to be events on and slowly but shir- surely, as it got closer and as I was like there, they got cancer from cancer, but we still did manage to have a good time. And I managed to sing with like his friend's band in a um a bar there, as, uh, like an unofficial South By thing, but I haven't actually properly performed in the US, which I would love to do. But obviously, you know, as like a non-US artist, it's really difficult to break America and like Obviously, really expensive as well to cross the Atlantic for like the chance of no one turning up to any of your gigs. So
0: gotcha. <laughs> it's definitely
1: a pipe dream at the moment.
0: So what are your favorite uh, types of venues? Is it, you know, like typical concert stage or is it like this uh, like a smaller like a not an amphitheater, but kind of like I don't even know how to describe it like a lounge like the lounges, okay, yeah. the lounges I, kind of, we, I
1: think I kind of get what you're. Because
0: yeah, the lounges we have here are pretty big. Like there's still like 150 plus people there, but it still has that loungy feel. And then you have like amphitheater style. Like, what, what, what's the favorite? I went to
1: the last gig that I actually went to before lockdown and before like Corona life was in America. Actually, it was in Orlando. And I went to see Olivia O'Brien at the Abbey. And that's kind of like the sort of venue that I love. It's like maybe three, 400 caps um i would say like still quite lounge you feel like you could definitely have it as a lounge but they don't like taking all of the tables out and stuff yeah. and um it was just like loads of girls going fucking mental for her music and that's what i kind of <laughs> like when
0: yeah
1: it, you've like sold out a small venue and everyone is so into it but you can still see like individual faces if you want to and yeah like i'm saying this as someone who's never performed in an arena and it's probably a fucking rush like don't <laughs> get me wrong but um yeah i think i i like as someone in the crowd i actually like to go to smaller gigs so i think as a performer i also kind of like that just because it's my preference as an audience member
0: gotcha have you um have you ever like I'm assuming you do music videos and stuff like that. Have you ever done, like, have you ever seen on MTV? This is, like, such a cool concept, and I feel like a lot of people don't really push on that. So MTV used to have this thing called, like, Unplugged, or... um, This is
1: funny, actually. Yeah, so the,
0: the most memorable one I've seen there's no oh, no okay
1: so i was watching a documentary about kirk yesterday and they were talking about their mtv unplugged yeah. so as soon as you mentioned mtv i was like he's going to talk about unplugged it's just like one of those things you know when you've just been it's like been brought back onto your consciousness and then someone mentions it and it's like oh my god we're all on the same wavelength
0: yeah
1: um yeah i would love to do something like that i have done smaller things like that for i've done reload sessions and I've done a couple like live sessions that my friend who's a videographer filmed for us and we recorded in a studio. So I do actually really like doing stuff like that. I've actually got like a Corona chic one coming. Oh
0: yeah, like, nice. And um,
1: by that, I mean like, you know, like a social distancing one with me, my drummer and my guitarist. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do it, we've done like an acoustic version of Back It Up, which is like completely different to the original. Mm. Um, so that will be coming in the next couple of weeks, actually.
0: Nice. Um, if with, with COVID, with what's going on right now, obviously, well, not just COVID, but in general, the, our generation, you know, I'm assuming we're all the same age here. I ain't gonna throw, I'm not going to throw out my age, but um, <laughs> with the Internet impacting the business because it affects everyone, it could be a, a tool that helps you out tremendously, but it can also destroy you. Like, how, how do you feel the Internet has impacted your music, especially with COVID right now? Like, how do you stay relevant with your fans?
1: Um, so I think because of COVID, we've like as artists we've had to kind of like think outside the box. So a lot of the time at this level, like you'd be gigging quite a lot, so you'd be interacting with your artists like face to face a lot more. Uh, sorry, not your artists, your fans. And um, so I've obviously not been able to do that. Um, social media wise, I'm pretty shit. Like I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I'm not like I'm not one of those people who's just amazing on social media. I'm just not. Um, I probably wouldn't have it if it wasn't for my job. And that's not to say that I hate it. Like, I do enjoy interacting with people on Instagram, but I only really use it for my music. I don't really use it as a user. Mm -hmm. Um, So Insta is my main platform. And on Insta, I've been doing, like, some interview sessions with other, like, DIY female musicians, and then also I had my drummer on there last week just because I'd run out of women for a while and I thought it'd be like good to talk about like tour stories and stuff. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of one thing that I've been doing that's like different. And I have actually really enjoyed it. It's really nice to, you know, go live and have people like commenting and asking questions and, yeah. you know, just kind of getting involved. Um. I think because I'm an electronic producer anyway, a lot of what I do is on the computer and like, then obviously i upload to a dsp so the actual like music creation hasn't changed that much like i'm still getting guitar stems sent to me from my guitarist or like drum stems i think the main change is how i sell my merch and like having to set up my online store and like plug it online and i feel like i don't know i'm not a big marketing like girl yeah. i'm marketers dream like i'm very susceptible to it but i'm rubbish at doing it myself yeah. so well... it's kind of weird to have to you know be like oh buy my t-shirts buy my t-shirts and but it has been really good like i have sold like quite a lot of merch and that's been quite nice so i do think if if i was a musician in any other era without the internet and the pandemic happened like it would be more disastrous for my career but i do think covid has had it's made me focus on a lot of the parts of my career that i don't necessarily enjoy so like the the marketing like the social media promotion they're looking at like the stats and like trying to like talk to blogs and stuff like that. there's obviously it never really, like a lot of rejection and, um, not as much of the bits that I actually do enjoy, which is like playing with other musicians, like getting up on stage, talking to my fans, like yeah. traveling the country. So the internet's definitely helped me, but it hasn't brought any more of the joy into it. If you get what I'm kind of no, saying yeah. in my rambly way.
0: So it's so it sounds like you like performing more than being in the studio which like you said which you, is, you connect with the It's your weird
1: cuz I used to be the opposite and then now like I wait for performing like I get myself stressed out in the studio Uh
0: what's your favorite song to perform whether if it's your song or it's a cover like I, I Okay
1: yeah. <laughs> So my favorite song of mine is called Creeping. Like, that's my favorite one to perform. There's like a really big note at the end. And when I hit it, I always like feel like Superwoman. It's great. Um, And then cover-wise, I love to sing House of the Rising Sun. I love to sing Wicked Game. And yeah, okay, yeah, I'll say those two. I, I also like to sing Proud Mary as well when I've got a full band. That's really fun. That's what I actually sang when I was in Austin. And that was really fun.
2: do you ever get nervous when you get on stage
1: so i used to i used to get incredibly nervous um but i don't really anymore i more get nervous like before the gig that no one's gonna buy tickets and no one's gonna turn up Mm -hmm. um but once i'm on stage it's it's okay Uh, i think i'm i don't know i'm worried that i might get nervous though first gig back just because like i haven't done it in so long (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, but then again, that's also uh, excusable because given the circumstances we're under, so... Yeah.
1: yeah, you'd hope that people would go easy on me, not, like, throw, like, cups of piss on well, me. Or something, but, I, like, mean,
2: I mean, if anything, people will be happy to be outside of the house. Like, <laughs> yes. that would be, like, a perfect excuse to, you know, go see you. Like, hey, I finally get to go to a venue and enjoy something. So.
1: Yeah, one would hope that, like... 'Cause it's a joke with musicians, is that your friends always have an excuse not to come to your gigs. So one would hope that these friends would no longer have an excuse not to come to my gig. Right.
2: <laughs> so so what I'm go, sorry, go ahead,
0: Shalin. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, since you're talking about your friends and and your musicians, do you have a formal background in musical instruments and playing? Or is it one of those things um, that you kind of like self-taught and <clears throat> evolved into so
1: that? it's kind of a bit both. Like I initially learned piano um when I was probably started when I was about five my first teacher taught me all wrong so then when I went to my second teacher he taught me to play piano with like flat fingers like this which is just ridiculous so when I went to my second teacher she was just like good god what has happened so then I had this second teacher who kind of corrected everything I had her for a few years and then my third teacher was like very like austere like very like strict and I just I never practiced and I was always in trouble so then I ended up Like giving it up, and I played sax as well, and I had saxophone lessons. But again, I never practiced. I was terrible, and I would come in and try and blag it every session. But it was like really obvious that I hadn't practiced. And then I kind of gave up both. But then I started singing lessons, and with singing lessons, I say they were lessons, and she did teach me a lot of really good technique. But like most people would like go through the grades, whereas I'd come in with like a Beyonce song and be like, I want to sing this today, and she'd be like, Okay, and so I would sing it, and she would just like tweak certain bits. And then when it came, as I got more and more into the singing side of it, then I like, basically taught myself to play piano from like chords. So I know like literally all the chords, like off the top of my head, it's really easy for me to just like play a chord. And I'll just like make up an accompaniment. Like, so I'm kind of like half self-taught in that because I basically taught myself a whole new way of playing piano. Like I can read music, but it'll take me a lot longer now than like just reading chord symbols and just knowing what like notes are in a scale and stuff.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Go ahead, Grand Booba. My bad. No? No
2: worries. No, I was just going to ask, um, so when are you planning on getting back, you know, on the uh, concert scene? You know, just... Well,
0: that's the COVID situation. That's a question <laughs> yeah. for the COVID situation. I mean, so, yeah. well, hopefully I mean, when covid Boris that. Johnson if
1: you like. <laughs> we can all ring Boris Johnson right now and be like, all right, mate, when are you going to open venues or yeah. give us any sort of arts funding at all? um so basically my next thing that I want to do live wise is is like a busking tour with my musicians that I work with so I want to do like about five cities like do some busking in different spots in the cities and like just do like back-to-back cities and just try and like kind of perform live but not in a venue that way that's like the thing that I'm kind of like trying to plan at the moment with my session musicians. So I'm not sure when we're going to be back in a venue because I don't think it will be till like September when they start lifting that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we are trying to be a bit creative in the meantime and kind of see how we can connect with audiences in a more organic way.
0: It's your version of Unplugged. It's Kai Unplugged. Yeah. That's dope. That's so Just dope.
1: unplugged and potentially in the rain Yeah, because you never know with like English weather.
2: <laughs> it will be right up there with Nirvana's. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, just like the red, blue-haired girl in the rain, like, in Manchester.
0: It'll be memorable.
1: Yeah, well, one would hope. Yeah.
0: So being a music artist, so we, we talked about, like, your history, and we talked about, like, your formal formal training, if you want to call it that, and your evolution of, of self-taught, and you're emerging to this amazing superstar. The, a good question is, um, being a music artist, is it hard to date? Like, do you have like issues like with scheduling or jealousy issues or is it someone not trying to put your business out there unless you want to? No, no, no. Um,
1: <laughs> so this, I would say in my last relationship, this was an issue. So I actually met this guy at a gig. Like he was in the audience. And um,
0: fan came tr- he, oh, his dream it came was true. The worst,
1: <laughs> just the worst relationship ever and I think he's an absolute prick. So you better make um,
0: sh- you better make sure he doesn't but, listen to this and say, "Hey, I need some uh, money for do, your songs. Like,
1: I mean, Alex, I think you're a prick, you know this, so it's fine. Um, but basically <laughs> um, what happened? So th- the reason why my career, like, caused issues was not any of the stuff you said, like jealousy or anything like that. It was more just, like, I felt like he didn't really respect my time at all. Like, he had a nine-to-five job, and then he also worked, like, a bar job sometimes for extra money. And he, even though these neither of these things were his passion, and that he didn't work anywhere near as hard as me, that he would always put them above my job in terms of, like, if we had to schedule something, in terms of, like, who's time was more important so i was like always traipsing across to a different city where he lived he didn't drive so i had to drive all the time and then he would never like take a day off work for me he'd take it off to get like off his tits on coke with his friends but Ah. you know not like yeah which was another reason why we broke up Um, but yeah like he would never take it off to see me but i would always be expected to rearrange my plans, and I do find that as a musician, even my friends with the best intentions, because they know that my I'm like self-run, like the way yeah. I do things, like self-employed kind of thing, they do expect you to be more flexible and kind of fit around their schedule. So I find that as difficult as a musician. And then I also found that the fact that he met me whilst on stage, he kind of like almost didn't see me as a real person. Like I feel like he was very impressed by me everything that I did.
0: Was starstruck.
1: It was like I wasn't allowed to have any flaws and I wasn't allowed to be a fallible human being. Yeah, Like I wasn't allowed to have a temper, you know, I wasn't allowed, you know, mm. to have issue with anything that he did, which might be nothing to do with me being a musician, but I did feel like he kind of saw me as this like person that he was like very impressed by, but therefore like didn't get close to because he didn't see me as like another like, you saw me as, like, a performer, even though I'm, like, a really, really authentic person. So, I just, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's one of those things, like, the right person, it won't be an issue, but with the wrong person, yeah, it might be. I think the scheduling thing for me was the biggest thing. Like, I always felt like I was, I wouldn't cancel anything for him, but I would, like, change my studio days around or leave the studio early to get to his and then he would, you know, not even give up a bar shift where he earned like maybe like forty quid or something. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't equal, and that might have been nothing to do with my career, but for me, it felt like it was.
0: It, it's crazy and ironic that you that you say that. I just had this conversation with someone on the other day, and there's been a lot of stuff going on. Facebook is. You know, can you date someone with a nine to five or can you date someone with an entrepreneur? And a lot of people need to understand as an entrepreneur, you're the brand. Like you're the person. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like you have to either accept it and be supportive of it or maybe that's just not the best thing for you. But based on the things that you just told us, my dear, that that's called in America a scrub.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You ain't got no car. And on top of that, you deserve better. Okay. You deserve way better. So.
1: Yeah, no, so I do. I agree with you. Very much do. Uh, but my best, my favorite of my songs is Problem, which is the one that kind of did, started to do the best as well. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that about him. I actually don't even remember writing it. Like, that's what's so bizarre. I can't find, like, the notebook that I wrote it in. I can't find the memory in my head. I was still just been so angry. I wrote it and then just like blocked it out. Yeah. But that's like my favorite of all my tracks. And I wrote that about him. So I'm not going to say thank you to him because he's a dick. But at the same time, like if I hadn't gone through all that crap, yeah. then I wouldn't have written that song and a few other ones that I've got coming up that I'm excited about. So you just kind of got to put, you know, like a silver lining on it, I guess.
0: Yeah. They, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people say uh, it's not about exactly what they did. It's about how they made you feel. And for the yeah. listeners out there, problem is actually the instrumental that's playing in the background right now. I don't think yeah, uh, I don't think it? I don't think you guys can hear it right now, but I can hear it in the no, background. So it's playing it's playing in our background. I also like fuel. Fuel's dope. Yeah, fuel Feels is about so another decade actually, but we only <laughs>
1: did it for a very really short period of time. Like he You might like, as well spill
2: the tea. You might as well spill some tea. <laughs> oh my god. Well he was like
1: just a textbook narcissist. Like he's a very strange person. He'd slept with, like, oh. 220 girls, but he didn't like girls. He'd slept with very many people, and I was like, mm, okay,
2: not Whoa. sure. Like, you can in, have America, that, but... in America, that's called an F-boy. So, yeah, yeah you know. no, he
1: was a fuck boy, yeah. yeah. And um, wow. he, um, yeah, like, he was just, it was a weird situation because we didn't date for long enough for me to get, like, emotionally attached. Um, but at the same time, he provided me with so much inspiration just because he was such like an interesting like case to write about. Like he yeah. just gave me so much stuff to write about and fuel, yeah, like that's one of my favorites too. So, so is it
2: so is it true what they say about musicians? Like some of the best songs they come up with happens to do with heartbreak, and that's how they come out with the best songs.
1: See, I think for me it's yeah. the phase of heartbreak when you get angry, not the bit where you're sad. Uh-huh. like I do fucking nothing in that period like and I don't really like being sad I would much rather be angry so I try and like channel it into anger and then that's when I start to write so um yeah I would say I, I it's way easier to write when you're feeling a negative emotion than when you're feeling a positive one like I've written so few songs in my life that have been good when I've been happy I'm... so yeah I definitely think it is true You I mean you just have to look at like Fleetwood Mac and then it's yeah.
2: obvious, isn't it yeah it is it
0: like is. like it's like speaking of sad one song that is so sad but it's kind of like one of the i mean it's very like early 2000s like a, i wouldn't even say it's pop it's r&b that's like everyone knows is Usher's song you got it bad mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah. or let it burn obviously that was about a relationship and and it's like one of the greatest selling r&b songs of all time and you know, even like Eminem's uh, second album, uh, not the Slim Shitty, what's it called? Marshall Mathers? Marshall Mathers. You know, that was a lot of pain and a lot of hate. So, you know, I definitely... I love that album.
1: Yeah. So but, good. But, but
0: you know it's what? It's one it, of his it, best it's, albums. It's so ironic also is that I feel when you listen to artists when they're first coming on the scene, their energy, the everything that they've experienced, it's all into it, you know? And a lot yeah. of it has to do with anger because it has to do with situations that, you know, in your environment, your home, your business, and and stuff like that. So, I mean, definitely that makes, that impacts I mean, your music, you know? Like,
1: in terms of heartbreak, all you have to do is look at Adele's 21 album, which is mm-hmm. like, one of the highest selling albums of all time now. Classic. And like, literally she spoke like i actually i'm not like i respect her talent but it's just not my sort of music that i would listen to because i don't really like to like sit there and cry and listen to music (laughs) like i'm more of like (laughs) i'll get in the gym and punch something kind of gal but um, there's a lot of girls who really really identified with the album there's a lot of guys as well who just like aren't as honest about it but like yeah, she kind of spoke to a whole generation about heartbreak, didn't she? So I think it is something that when, she, when you tap into it, like, it's universal, isn't it? Everyone's had their heartbroken at some point. So people can, like, identify it with. And it doesn't... I feel like sometimes when you're writing a happy song, it sounds like bragging or something, whereas when you're writing about something sad, people are like, oh, yeah, no, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah. So I think that's kind of why we like to write about sad things as well, because you can never be seen as being, like, I don't know, like arrogant or a dick or whatever, if you're like crying. So,
0: yes. I think that's yeah. it. Speaking of Adele, she's been in our news a lot lately with what's going on with her. Um, obviously, you know, she's yeah, a divorce. with her divorce. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are talking right now, like there's like a big chunk of money that's being involved. And obviously, they're not going to disclose it. And so, for the fans out there, you know what that means? When this is over, we're going to have a bomb ass album coming out for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that is like, you know, if you see like one of your favorite musicians go through something in the public eye, ah, you're, you're just like waiting for the songs to drop. And you're yeah. gonna be like, who's this about? Or like, it's oh, my true. God. It's like, you know, with the whole like, I'm not like really big into Justin Bieber's music or Selena Gomez. Like, I, there's a few songs that I like, but I wouldn't have like, like super fans or anything. But I found their whole dynamic when you could tell they were just writing about each other really interesting. Yeah. Like, you'd be like, oh, what's she going to say back?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So with going back to kind of COVID and I don't want to keep bringing that up so much, but that's something that's realistic because we want to make sure the fans know where to find you and all that kind of stuff. But being very transparent, what would you be doing right now if it wasn't for your music career?
1: Um, in terms of like just if I didn't do music, yeah, like in like terms career. of being in lockdown or like with my life.
0: Uh, let's go with life career path.
1: Um, so my parents' plan was always for me to be a doctor. Um, and I was supposed to, I was supposed to study at university and I changed my mind at last minute and did chemistry. So, but I actually would like, if I was going to pick, the reason why I picked chemistry is because it's only three years long in the UK and, um, medicine is six. Mm. So I knew that I wanted to get my degree and then go into music. So if I hadn't had the music dream, maybe I would have just carried on doing medicine. I think
2: gotcha okay we do need more chemists <laughs> yeah we do
1: yeah true <laughs> but i i think if i was in chemistry i would probably end up maybe in like cosmetics just because it's you know like the girly like glamorous side i feel like that's i'd like to work in cosmetics but like ones that don't test on animals maybe if i was going to carry on in chem or i would go like down the environmental route but even though the environment's really interesting in like you know in the whole big idea thing in terms of the like minutia and stuff it was really boring at uni and i kind of changed my mind on that like like different methods of sampling like the co2 in the air and stuff it was really dull like so i'm not sure if i'd actually do that in real life
0: gotcha gotcha, gotcha. um do you like so on your team like when you when you're going like on tours or you know when you're just preparing for a shoot do you do your own makeup or do you have your own team
1: so I've had makeup on shoots like done for me before by some like amazing makeup artists. But if I'm going on stage, it's like, that's definitely like a Sally job. And sometimes it's a job that I've not left myself like much time for. So <laughs> I, there has been times where I've gone down to like sound check with like one bun in and like the other side, like hanging down <laughs> and then like one oh. half of my face done. <laughs> wow. And then had to like rush back upstairs and do the rest after sound soundcheck. Um, so, yeah, no, that's something that I do for myself.
0: Nice. Um, no, do, go ahead, Grandbubu. I'm sorry. Um,
2: do you have any interesting hobbies besides <laughs> writing music and singing your butt off? <laughs>
1: um, okay. I'll let you judge if they're interesting. Um, so I paint. Um, I started painting mm-hmm. last year, like, not the major gone, but the one before. Um, like, I wasn't in a really, like, great place mental health-wise. And my parents... Um, Suggested that I went as so I went with my grandma to this painting class to keep her company. And um, she kept like leaving me there, it was quite annoying, um, like just refusing to come that week and be like, Oh, I feel a bit tired. So I was just there with all these other old people. But um, it was actually really good. And I found that I'm actually quite good at it. So um, I do painting,
0: uh-huh. um,
1: I play golf, which is a bit weird, but I do. Okay. Maybe because I live on a golf course. Like, do you? And com- my whole family plays.
0: Do you compete? Uh, I play tennis. Do you compete or do you just play for fun?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say I ever play for fun. Ooh. Um, I do compete. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm I, I when I say I don't ever play for fun, it's just cause I don't really enjoy it. Like I'm quite <laughs> good at it. Um, not always like anyone who plays golf will know that you have like terrible rounds and then you'll have a good round and then like another six terrible ones. Uh, but I have one, like a few like competitions at the club and stuff, not like serious competitions, just like ones at the club. um, but I wouldn't say I'd do it like with my friends because it's like at my golf club, the next youngest female member is two months younger than my mum. And then my mum is the next one after that. So there's like me and then like a 28 year gap to the next like youngest member. So it's not like I play with like a group of gals or whatever. Like this, <laughs> it's just me. Um, Yeah, I'd say uh, I like to go out a lot to watch like live music and stuff. And I travel, like, a hell of a lot. That's, like, my main hobby. I spend, like, all my money on traveling. Um, But, yeah, I'd say they're, like, my main hobbies.
2: Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, So, seeing as you're from Manchester, uh, I would assume you are a Man U fan. Is that correct? I
1: am a Manchester United fan. Go Chelsea. Oh, no.
2: Go Blues. Uh,
1: (laughs) No, no, no. At least you didn't say Liverpool, but, like... (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I yeah, hate, no, 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 I hate Deadpool. I hate that pool. I hate that pool. I don't like Man City. I don't <laughs> like uh, Watford. I don't like Leicester. City. That's the weird one. Yeah,
1: like
2: <laughs> Watford. Yeah, I don't like any of those teams. So yeah. I,
0: feel, I feel like a lot of people don't like Liverpool. Is that like a very
1: common? Yeah, no thing? one likes Liverpool apart from Liverpool. <laughs> because
2: Liverpool is like they're basically so Manu and Liverpool to me are like the LA Lakers and LA Clippers of the English Premier League.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. because they always stack re- their teams up. Good reference, good reference. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're, we're coming close to the end of our show, and I got a couple more questions real briefly. Uh, if you could change anything about the industry right now, what would, you, what would you like to change, or what would you like to see change differently?
1: I'd like to see the major labels have less of a control over the industry. I think okay. it's kind of bullshit that you're like, go on New Music Friday or like, pop revolution or whatever i know like all be like major label signed and some of the songs will just be trash mm. like the fact oh. that you know like really shit songs can get like millions and millions of streams whereas like independent artists are still struggling and the fact that even you know where the money split like 60 percent goes to the major labels off the bat and then 40 percent gets split between everyone else so i think i would like to see a bit more real equality in the industry rather than kind of the fake equality that were being peddled. Like, yes, music has been like democratized, but not enough. Like there's a lot of incredibly talented people doing their own thing out there and who are not getting the recognition needed. Like I've seen, I've paid, you know, quite a lot of money for tickets to see people perform. And I've like seen people on the bill with me at like independent gigs who are much more talented. So, that, yeah, that kind of gets on my nerves a bit. I would, ch- I would change that. I would, like, I would get, also get the major label to stop looking for just attractive girls and get talented girls instead. Or, mm. or attractive boys, because I think they do it for, like, boy bands and stuff. Stop picking pretty faces and pick, like, you know, I, I, real I, talent. Like, people like Lizzo and stuff, like, she should not have had to fight as hard as she did to get a break in the industry, because she's obscenely talented. And then there's, I'm not going to name any names and, like, throw shade, but there's a lot of pretty face artists who are nowhere near as talented who did not have to work anywhere near as hard
2: i actually agree with what you just said
1: yeah i just yeah there's a lot of artists that again like i won't i don't want to throw shade because like it might yeah. come back and bite me um but
0: well, so what, there are
1: a few people that i just cannot get my head around why people think they're talented they're just not they're like I'm not saying they have no talent at all, but comparatively to what you see out there on like the independent circuit, and then some of the people who are really changing the industry, like Lizzo, or even like Billie Eilish, like she's doing, like the fact that she refuses to show her body and like stuff like that. I think that people who are making the music about more than just the music are the ones that I think are really important, not the ones who are you know you listen to their album and you know nothing about them by the end of it. I feel like you should be able to listen to someone's album and feel like you know them a bit more. And I think there's a lot of people who, yeah, are very attractive and they look good up on stage. And sometimes they even sound good, but not always. And then you actually listen to their album and you know nothing about them. You know that they didn't have a hand in writing it. You know that they didn't have a hand in producing it. Like, they didn't even have a hand on what, like, the concept was. It was just some guy in an office who came up with the concept for them and they were just, like, a pretty face for it. So So I think... Yeah, that, a bit more substance in the industry, I guess.
0: So can can I be ignorant real quick? So speaking about music in America, can we say that about some of our rap artists? Some of them are not very attractive, and they have no talent. And I don't know why they're putting their music <laughs> out there.
1: I so <laughs> as a whole, like genres like mumble rap, like I just oh my can't God, get my I hate it. I think, I think there's some incredibly talented rappers out there in America, like Kendrick or like J Cole. Or like even people, like, I really like Joanne Lucas. I like Ben uh, nice. Staples. Okay. Like well. there are like people that I do think are really really talented. But then I also think there's people like Takeshi who who is a convicted paedophile and is just a moron. He's just a moron. And he comes out there and shouts on tracks, and like and stuff true. like that like really bothers me. How is he still in the spotlight? How are people like Nicki Minaj, who's supposed to be a female advocate, like collabing with him? <laughs> Makes no sense to me.
0: It's money. But doesn't that really mean that artists need to learn uh, a lot about ownership and also, like, becoming your own brand by becoming the record label, you know? so So that way that you're not involved into, like, a 360 deal. I feel like 360 deals are very outdated. Oh, yeah. 360
1: deals are like the devil. It's just a, a way for the music industry to recoup the money that they lost because of, you know, the internet revolution, but by taking it off the artists. So... I don't think, like, since the beginning of time, the artists have been the ones getting shagged, haven't they? Like, when the in the 70s, when the managers were hiding all their money and stealing it. And then now yeah. the rest of the labels are trying to take a bit of it. And also the fans are as well, because the fact that, you know, there's so few people willing to pay for music or, like, even, you know, some people don't want to pay for premium when you get, like, all the music in the world for, like, £10 a month or whatever. And some people don't want to pay for that. So all that matters then. Is like live ticket sales. And then the real fans who are going to pay anything for a ticket are the ones that get punished. And they're the ones who are paying 80 quid for a ticket to see their idol. And everyone else is just getting it for free. I think in the industry, like the way that the money comes down is just wrong. Like so many people at the top get so much more money than they actually need. And then there's nothing coming down to the bottom. And what that means is that these artists don't have enough money to even try and break through now. Like because there's nothing coming from streaming. Like, Streaming is basically just a social media. Like at the end of the day, it's just about your numbers and like if you can get a gig off the back of it. Or do you understand like what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) it's not actually about like the 0.1 of a pence that you get every time someone like streams your track. It's like what we're doing. It's more about like validation and knowing that I'm like reaching people out there and seeing the growth in the numbers. But I find that that can be like quite destructive in terms of your like creativity like having to constantly like worry about stuff like that.
0: Gotcha. So uh, we're coming to the end of our show right now. So this is a question that uh, we'd love to ask our, our guests because it's, it just really explores their, their background history and their reasoning. Um, if you could see any musician or music group that are alive, who would you love to see perform? Ooh. <laughs> mm.
1: I feel like, did we do this last time? We
0: did. And, we did. and, and, and I probably would
1: have given like a completely different answer. And your answer's going to um, change. <laughs> okay, Johnny Cash would definitely be one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I remember you asked me if I could go to any gig anywhere at any time, and I said DMX at the last Woodstock. Well, um, it was like 99, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. It was like, 99. Yeah. 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 I always get my dates mixed up because it just—it seems like too late if you get what I mean. Because I would have already been like six then. Um, but yeah, <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: maybe like Dmx, like uh, would start around nine, um, or like just Johnny Cash at like some point during his career, or or like I would have loved to see Whitney before she died, but like pre-crack, in
0: pre-crack Whitney. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah, yeah, didn't mention
0: that. I think like <laughs> I think like Whitney right when bodyguard movie came out because that song Yeah,
1: i would love to see like her sing that song for the first time like i will always love you or like my favorite winnie song is how will i know so i'd love to just be like in the concert like bopping along to that Uh, or even like oh actually um eminem's like tour where he had like dmx come out of his like trailer park house like it would have been like his first or second like major tour that would have been amazing too
0: nice what
1: Not I DMX, sorry d12 what am i talking about d12 coming out of the house you would have probably just like dmx i didn't hear about that um yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: no I, I knew what you meant i knew what you meant
0: yeah. <laughs> all right so we're coming to the end of our show and so you have a 30 second plug you can give a message what you know whatever you'd like to tell your fans out there where they can find you online how do they uh reach out to you etc so the mic is all yours
1: um so you can find me online on all like the DSPs so like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, like Apple Music, like all of them I'm all on there. And in terms of social media, if you want to like chat to me, I'm usually really active on Instagram. I reply to all my messages unless there's something weird where someone sends me like a dick pic or something. But as long as you <laughs> send me like words and not pictures of your genitalia, I will reply. And um yeah, just like let me know if you have any questions for me or you know if you have any like comments on anything that i've said if you want yourself some kind of like angry girl pop music with a makes you feel good about yourself and makes you think of it then i'm your girl so yeah i've got like a load of really good stuff coming out um my new single came out on friday and it's actually a cover of the weekend's wicked games so yeah have a listen let me know what you think
0: R- real quick did do the D-picks happen very often? I mean, I know I, in, with women in general, but now being in a limelight, does it is it more frequent? Like, like what, are, what are guys <laughs> thinking? Like, that makes um, no sense. Yeah, to, like, do
1: it, that. Do, it does. But my favorite is when you can tell it doesn't match the person who sent it. Uh. So, like, when the skin <laughs> is, matches match or something, yeah. so you can tell that they've got it off Google.
0: Oh, my um, God. <laughs> posers.
1: I love that. Like, that is a, a proper fade. Like, I'm, you know, very much, like, of the opinion, if someone sends me a dick pic that I did not ask for, I can send it to whoever I want. So just be warned, like, I will probably show it to my friends, and I'll probably laugh at you. I feel so like most people mm. do that. Nothing unsolicited. Like, if I ask for a picture of a penis, then that's different, but I probably won't. So, yeah, that's <laughs> kind of <laughs> the outlook. Like, if you put something in my inbox I did not ask for, I can do whatever I want with it. tiss so, yeah. tis, tiss. Mm.
0: Grand Bo- Grand Booba, you got a plug?
2: Um... Nah, just I want everyone to be safe and uh please practice social distancing and look, stay home so that we can all do stuff later on. OK, I'm tired of people packing beaches. I'm tired of hearing about people getting together for cookouts like 15 at a time. Just just stay home. Fifteen. So we can all do stuff.
0: Fifteen.
2: Yeah,
1: like just be sensible. About 12. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> well, Paul, Paul was pushing it a little bit, Man. but still, <laughs> it's pushing it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of our show. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Fresh Delivery Show. You can also find us on Twitter, but it's spelled a little bit differently. It's at F R three S H Delivery. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, where you can find pre-recorded episodes, including this one with Kai. Uh, if you would like to hear. Previous episodes, you can find us on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I am the Shaolin Fantastic, and this is the Fresh Delivery Show presents the Dirty30. And we're out, y'all. Peace.
2: Grand Booba. Good night, everybody.
0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking us out on the Fresh Delivery Show. You can listen to us on other episodes, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now Spotify, whichever one you like. Make sure you like one of them, or all of them. Make sure you follow us on the gram at The Fresh Delivery, and on Facebook, The Fresh Delivery Show. And if there's something you like, hit that heart, or like, maybe you get it once, twice, anything that's nice. Yeah.